You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Awesome. Well, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for yet another uh, broadcast this morning. We thank you for this series called Union Police. I thank you that you are serious about arresting the illusion of separation in our lives. And so, Father, we just connect. We connect with uh, the reality of our oneness with you. We connect with the reality of the Holy Spirit that is inside of us right now. Thank you that abiding is a right now opportunity. And so we just take a step into that reality right now, Father, and we just become aware. Yeah, we become aware that we are seated in heavenly places right this very minute inside of Christ. We become aware that we have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. We become aware of being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Father, you said uh, that our faith becomes effectual as we acknowledge all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. And so we just acknowledge that right now. And I just thank you, Lord, that as we acknowledge it, thank you that we experience it. And so I'm expecting us to experience uh, the reality of heaven today, Father, the reality of what it means to be one with you every single moment of our lives, not based on something that we've done, but based on what Jesus has done. And so as we hop in today, Father, take us where we need to go. Holy Spirit, enlighten the eyes of our understanding so that we can know the hope of our calling. Uh, Help us uh, hear the gospel afresh today, Lord, and renew our minds and correct our vision, shift our internal atmosphere, Lord, so that everything within us can be manifested around us. All that heaven contains, Father, has already been lavished upon us in Christ, and it is our inheritance. It is our birthright. And so we thank you that it is your desire, your will, that we live from this place of union, from this place of completion, from this place uh, of heaven on earth every single day. And so we just give you praise and honor for it. I just yield right now, Lord, my faculties to you. Think through my mind, speak through my mouth, and take us where we need to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, awesome, you guys. I'm so excited to be continuing the series today on uh, the union police. And for those of you that may just be hearing this episode and not really understanding what the union police is, let me let me hop off with the definition of that. Right. It's kind of a a joke and kind of a nickname that I've picked up over the years. Uh, And it's really what happens to us when we get a hold of what it means to live in union with Jesus, because the illusion of separation is everywhere. And all of us start out under this illusion, right? We're, we're, We're raised in a world system that is steeped in independence. In fact, it's celebrated. You know, we're taught to be responsible. We're taught in school to, you know, work hard, to get good grades and to, you know, save your money and all of these things that we do in order to be responsible, right? And and by default, what happens is we kind of develop this responsible, independent self that is performing, performing for good grades, performing for promotions and raises, performing for jobs, performing for all of these things in our lives, performing for love and acceptance. And and we just, by default, kind of take that into our relationship with God. And what the union police is all about is recognizing this illusion of separation that we have been, you know, programmed with and beginning to arrest that illusion in all of the places that we find it. 
and recognize that it is a lie that we are one with God. We are one with God because of the completed work that Jesus did on the cross. And when you get that, you start to see it in everything. You know, you start to hear it in our worship songs. You start to hear it in the sermons that you're listening to. You start to realize that this this performance epidemic, this idea that we have an independent self that operates independent from God and just inherently is trying to please God is a complete deception. And so as a member of the union police force, what we do is we basically do, we arrest these thoughts of separation. We take these thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, to the obedience of union with Christ. And as we do that, as we begin to really not just see the illusion of separation, but bring our thoughts captive to the reality of our union with Jesus, well, guess what starts to happen? We start to live from that place of union. We start to not only just see separation, but we start to see union. And you guys, union is the point. Union is the point of the gospel. And I, I want to start out today with maybe just a, a reframing of our understanding of that. Now, I've taught on this before, you guys. And so this may be, a, a, I don't know, a, a repeat of some of the things that maybe you've heard me say. I mean, I, I'm thinking about the, the series that I did, you know, uh, that's called the gospel according to Shalise. And in that series, I kind of jump off with the scripture that I'm going to talk about today, but it's, it's worth repeating. Um, it's a scripture that we learned in Sunday school. You guys, guys, it's John three 16, and we all know it. I don't even have to look it up, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And other, other translations, it says eternal life. And if you're like me, uh, most believers have grown up with the idea that eternal life is something that we get after we die, right? So if we believe in Jesus, then we will go to heaven. And most of us were taught the gospel this way. Most of us learned the gospel this way. We also were taught that, you know, only, uh, you know, that, that heaven and hell is like the point of the gospel. But that is really not what, that is not the message that Jesus was speaking in that scripture. It's not the message uh, of, of, of not the meaning rather of eternal life. And so I want to start today in John 17, because John 17 is where Jesus gives us the real definition of eternal life. And we'll, we'll hop off from there, but uh, let's go into John 17. Uh, let me just pull it up in the amplified Bible here, just to kind of read a little bit of it. In John uh, verse 17, now remember, this is right before Jesus is going to the cross. So this is the prayer that he is praying. He's, he's praying to the Father right before uh, he's crucified and the resurrection happens and all of that. So in John 17, uh, I want to give you, I'm going to start in verse, let's see, um, I'll just start in verse 1 and I'm going to read through verse 5. And here's what it says. It says, when Jesus had spoken these things, he raised his eyes to heaven in prayer and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you just as you have given him power and authority over all of mankind. Now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all you have given him to be his permanently and forever. Verse three says, now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true supreme sovereign God, and in the same manner know Jesus as the Christ whom you have sent. In verse four, it says, I have glorified you down here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. 
Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory and the majesty that I had with you before the world existed. Oh my gosh, you guys, I could do three series just on these five verses, I feel like. So let me see if I can rein it in and make a a few points, though, in today's broadcast. Okay, the first thing I want to point out is, is that in verse three, Jesus is defining his, what he's referring to when he says eternal life. Okay, John 3, 16 says that when we believe in him, we won't perish, but we'll have eternal life. And here in John 17, three, Jesus defines what eternal life is. He doesn't say it's heaven in the afterlife. What he says is, is that in verse three, it says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true supreme and sovereign God, and in the same manner, know Jesus as the Christ whom you have sent. So in order to understand this, okay, so eternal life is about knowing God. Okay, this is a really big departure from what we have traditionally thought that eternal life meant. And knowing God, by the way, in the context of the scripture is a unique way of knowing God. It's not just knowing God like, you know, I know Oprah or right. I know Justin Bieber, meaning it's not like this distant knowing of someone who's famous or someone who, you know, you're acquainted with in, in some, you know, surface way. No, this knowing is the Greek word gnosko. And the Greek word gnosko is an experiential knowing. It's an intimate knowing. In fact, it's the most intimate of knowing in the sense that in the day of Jesus, that word gnosko in the Greek was actually used as a Jewish idiom for the intimacy between a man and a woman that are husband and wife. So it was this ultimate union. It was this ultimate joining of two people together as one. So it's this knowing that comes from a marriage type intimacy, and that is eternal life. This marriage type of union with God is the definition of eternal life. And, you know, when you think about the intimacy that is in a marriage that is expressed itself with two becoming one, specifically in terms of sexual intercourse, it's literally the two shall become one and both physically and spiritually. And this is obviously an idiom in the sense that it is a picture of our union with God, that eternal life is our, is knowing intimately in a oneness way, our union with God. And so the purpose for which Jesus came is that we would have eternal life, that we would know God, that we would be joined to him as one with him, and we would know him intimately in the most intimate of ways. And the thing that is different really about our union with God versus the union with our spouse is that this is a a union where we have been We are known so fully, right? I mean, God knows that our thoughts before we think them, he lives inside of us. So this is an experiential knowing of him knowing us. He knows everything about us. He knows our motives. He knows our fears. He knows our dreams. He knows the words we're going to speak before we speak them. I mean, we are completely and utterly seen and known and accepted and loved through that place that only he can occupy, which is his sovereignty within us. And we are known that way. But the question is, do we know God that way? Do we experience him from this oneness, intimate, united place? 
Or is it still like somewhere out here that we're trying to get to know God rather than recognizing that it happens inside of us? And if you keep reading John 17, we know this is the case because as, as Jesus begins to continue to pray, you know, he begins to pray for his disciples. He begins to pray for uh, the future church. And if you go down to, let's just say this in verse 20, right, where he begins to pray for the future believers that are going to come and hear the gospel. He says this, he says, I do not pray for these alone, referring to his disciples. It is their, it is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all of those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message. 21, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so that they may be one in us, capital U, so that the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me. And I'm telling you, this is one of the most powerful prayers that have ever been prayed, right? And how many of you know that Jesus's prayer was answered? It was answered through the resurrection. But Jesus is is talking about the gospel. The point of all of this is that we would be one, that just as Jesus and the Father were one, that we would be one in them. We would, they would, you know, he says in us, meaning that we would experience the union of the Trinity, that we would experience oneness with one another, that we would be known by our love and our union with God, that, that eternal life would be expressed in our lives through our union with him. And that is not something that we experience just after we die. It's something that we are meant to experience right now. It's the point of the gospel. So union is the message of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory as Jesus is. So are we in this world on the cross. God was redeeming the image of man. He was redeeming us back to innocence pre-fall. He was the last Adam. He was undoing the separation that happened through Adam's disobedience through the obedience of Jesus. And so we were being restored to this place of innocence, restored to this redeemed image of God because we are one with him. And this message of the fact that, that we have been redeemed, that we are now seen innocent, that we have now been joined to the Lord is a universal act that Jesus did for all of mankind. And I know this is not the way we've been taught the gospel. You know, we've been taught that we don't become one with Jesus until we, you know, say a prayer. But the truth is, when we say the prayer, that's just the moment we realized it. It doesn't mean it's the moment. It, it, it's the moment maybe we experience it, but it isn't the moment that it happened because it happened 2000 years ago. Jesus became the curse on the cross. Jesus swallowed up separation and redeemed mankind on the cross. In episode one of this podcast, right, I, I went through Colossians one and I went through what it means that God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself. I, I talked about Acts, how when, when the apostle Paul was, you know, preaching to the unbelieving uh, people at Athens, right, that he said, uh, we are all children of God. Don't you know that we live and move and have our being in God? And if you go back and read John 17 back at the beginning again, you'll see that he says this, just as you have given me power and authority over all of mankind, okay? He says, so that you may give eternal life to all whom you have given him. Well, who, who did God give to Jesus? He gave everybody to Jesus on the cross, one sacrifice once for all, 
for all. There was one saving act that Jesus did for all of creation. And when he rose from the dead, it became a new creation. That's why those that are in Christ are a new creation. We don't may not know it. We may not have heard the gospel. Most of us have heard the gospel as a message about what happens after we die. But we haven't heard about what happens to us now. What has already happened to us? That by his stripes, we were healed. When were we healed? We were healed 2,000 years ago. When, when, the, when Adam was undone on the cross. And so why is this important? It's because... If, if we don't recognize that the gospel is a message about our oneness with God, we will miss the dang point. We will mi miss the whole freaking point of the gospel. And because the gospel is a message about your identity, it's, it's a, it is death to performance. It is death to independence. It is death to a you that no longer exists except in your mind. And what mind renewal is, is waking, waking up to the truth about who we are. It's waking up to what it means to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, what it means to have the mind of Christ, what it means to be seated in heavenly places, what it means to be uh, buried with him and crucified with him and then buried with him and then raised with him and then ascended with him. It's a co-identification with Jesus. And the union police, where that comes in, is that we have to arrest the old man. We have to, we have to basically say, no, you no longer exist. You have been sentenced to death, death. You no longer live. All of the, 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 the record of your sins has been expunged. Uh, sin has been extracted from your very being when you died. And knowing this changes everything. It changes everything. You know, I was reading a definition of darkness the other day that, I mean, just blew my mind because I'd never really thought about it. Because, right, we think about when, you know, when we read scriptures like, you know, he translated us from the kingdom of darkness. We think about, you know, Satan having this kingdom of darkness that he's like, you know, somehow there's this kingdom of darkness that exists independent over here. And you're either in the kingdom of darkness or you're in the kingdom of light. And there's like this battle between two kingdoms. But the truth is Jesus is the light and the darkness could not comprehend him and it could not stop him. Right. And so darkness is just the um, illusion of separation. You guys, the God of this world has blinded the minds to those that don't believe the gospel, which frankly is half of the people in the church, <laughs> maybe even more than that in the church. So it's not just about people that have never really heard about Jesus or people that have rejected Jesus. No, darkness is about not knowing who we are. It's about not knowing what Jesus accomplished for us. And so here's the, the definition I read the other day. It says, darkness is mankind's ignorance of their redeemed identity and innocence. That darkness exists anytime we are ignorant of who we actually are. We're living in the darkness rather than the light when we are living as an unredeemed, separated, independent human being. Right. So the light is come that we are now living in the light, the kingdom of light. We were translated. We were taken all at the cross out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of God's dear light. Now, whether we know it or not, that's a different thing. And what mind renewal is, it's the progressive awakening of this truth. And it's the taking captive of every idea, every philosophy, every theology, 
every doctrine that tells you something different about who you are. And remember, this union is not based on what you do. It's not based upon the adherence of uh, of the law. In the law, meaning a a you know list of right and wrong. It's not based upon your performance. It's not based upon. Uh, what you can earn. It's based upon what Jesus did. He fulfilled the law. It no longer defines our righteousness. Our righteousness is defined by the cross. Our righteousness is defined by what Jesus did for us, what he did as us. And when we start to recognize this, guess what? The union police also has to basically tell you that you're not guilty, that you are innocent. You are innocent, 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 innocent. You are innocent even while you may be doing something that the law would declare that you are guilty. Why? Because Jesus took the guilty verdict in and of himself. It was swallowed up in him on the cross. And now you are perpetually holy. You are perpetually blameless. You are perpetually innocent. You are perpetually redeemed. And it's not of your works. It's not based on works, lest any man should boast, right? It's by grace through faith we're saved. It's by grace through faith that we experience our union with God, not of ourselves. This has nothing to do with human performance. This has to do with Jesus's performance. And he was the spotless lamb. He was the, the one atoning sacrifice for all of mankind. Remember when John the Baptist said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. This was, Jesus was God's gift to the world. He was, it was God's gift to the un unregenerate man. It was the, un you know, the unworthy, uh, you know, perception that we had of ourselves and so it is all about a change of our perception. It is about walking in the light where we see what Jesus has accomplished. And remember, this was accomplished not just 2,000 years ago, before we were even born, before we even knew we needed it. It was accomplished before the foundation of the world. Okay, God the, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. It, it says in Revelation chapter 13, right? In Ephesians 1, it says we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and to be blameless. Our origin is in God. I call this original glory. And we were in Christ before we were in Adam. And as we walked out through time, God simply redeemed what was always true from, about us from his perspective. And so why we want to get this perspective is because we need to raise our, our self-image to that timeless reality of who we are in God. And your union with Jesus changes everything about you. And it changes everything about how you live this life. And I, I want to say this because so many times we get caught up in like, how do I do this, Shalise? How do I live in union? How do I get this message into me? Well, first of all, we need to hear it, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to hear the actual gospel because the gospel in itself is the power of salvation. The gospel, you know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for in it lies the power of salvation. The message itself is the power to live it, okay? It's not human effort that lives it either, Right. And the only place I've been coaching a lot on this um, in, in, in Emerge, I've been coaching a lot on this in our graduate programs lately that, you know, living in the now, living right now in this moment. See, this moment is the only place that you can live in union with Jesus. You can't go back and live in union in your past. You can't live in union with God yet tomorrow. 
But the right now is where union is. Right now, your communion with the Holy Spirit is right now. The only place we have to surrender to God is right this moment. The only place abiding is a present tense word. Okay. Um, and so we just have to remember we, with the power of the grace of God to remember it right this moment. And our lives are like a, I don't know, it's kind of like this never ending journey to remember this right here in this moment. Because if you can remember in this moment, you're living as a new creation in this moment. And now this moment and this moment and this moment, right? This is why abiding is a present tense word. We can't abide perpetually without staying in this moment and remembering who we are. And so that is a very different way of living for most people. You know, most people are living either in the past or they're living either in the future, meaning they're upset about something in the past. They're regretting something in the past. They're thinking that their past defines who they are today or is affecting who they are today, rather than recognizing that their past doesn't even exist except in their own memories. Like it is over. It's gone. You know, that's why Paul said, forget the things that lie behind. And press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ. What's the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ? It's pressing into union. It's pressing into abiding. It's pressing into remembering what Jesus has done as you. That his crucifixion was your crucifixion. That his resurrection was your resurrection. You know, in episode one, I took us over to Colossians chapter three, which is, that's exactly what it says. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. And it says, set your, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on throne room realities. Set your mind on the present moment and what that means that you are an interdimensional being, that you are, you are Christ is in you, expressing himself through you each and every moment of your day, of the day, every single day, 24-7, you are one with Jesus. But because we have this programming, because we have this history of living independent and performance and all of these things, you guys, the battle is simply to let go of those things. It's to release those things. That's what it means to put off the old man. It means to put off all of that, all of that nonsense and, and just simply in this moment, put on Christ. Our true life is hidden inside of Jesus. When? Right now. Where? Right now. And so I, I can't, I can't stress enough at how part of being you know, a part of the union police force is starting to realize that this moment is what actually matters. Yes, God has a prophetic destiny for us. In fact, from his perspective, it's already done. From his, from God's perspective, everything is now. He is the I am. He, he is I am. And he lives in, eternal, in, an, in an eternal realm where everything is. That's why he could say the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, that you were chosen before the foundation of the world. See, time and space are not, um, are not linear in the eternal realm. Everything that was is, everything that will be is, and that's Jesus is the alpha and the omega. He is there in the beginning. He's there in the end. He is those things. And so when you connect in the moment right now and you, you connect with the truth that I am one with God, Okay, then you are living from that eternal realm. 
And from that eternal realm, all things are possible because all things are finished. All a prophecy is, is you simply uh, hearing what already is. You know, God didn't think about Abraham as the father of a nation the moment that Isaac was born. No, he had that planned out, right? He knew that he was the father of a nation because he had already, it was already done. It was already finished. And so when he declared, Abraham, you're the father of a nation, like it was, it was finished from his perspective. And Abraham was simply walking out in time what already was, what already is, and that's the same with us, you guys, as we abide in Christ. I mean, Jesus was simply walking out in time what was already done. And that eternal perspective is not just about, you know, seeing all things now in this moment, but it's also about realizing that eternity is actually oneness with God, that eternal life, living from that place of eternal life is living from that place of union with God, but it's also living from that place where everything is now. Everything is now. And I know this is a, a, a kind of a difficult thing to wrap your head around because you're like, well, Shalise, it isn't right now in time. It's not, it's not right now in 2022. Well, I get it, but here's the thing. As you stay focused on the now and you stay focused on union with God, guess what? The only thing that's left to do is just follow the Holy Spirit into the manifestation of it in time. We're not responsible for it. We're not re performing for it. We're simply being led by the Holy Spirit each and every moment of each and every day, doing what the Father is doing, walking out the things that he prepared for us to walk out before time began. See, we were recreated in Christ for good works. And those good works also, it says in Ephesians 2.10, were, were, were completed before the foundation of the world. They were planned out. He, he prepared paths ahead of time that we would walk in it, it says in the Amplified Version. So time is simply this construct that we're walking through in union with Jesus, walking out the plans of God that he sees and has already completed. And this moment is the only moment that you can be led by the Holy Spirit. You can't be led by the Holy Spirit tomorrow. You can't be led by the Holy Spirit in places that you weren't led by the Holy Spirit yesterday. You can right now connect to this reality that I am in union with Jesus and that my only responsibility really is just to help partner with Jesus, for Jesus to help me remember that, to abide and just to simply be led, to listen and do, to see and say. Right. We just are living uh, epistles, living expressions, living love letters to the planet as we live in union with Jesus. And so this is this what this means, guys, is that we have to drop responsibility. We have to drop responsibility for trying to be righteous, to get it all together, to heal ourselves, to figure it out. Uh, to judge, right? We have to let all of those things go and simply be, be in Christ, be in this moment, be in sync, be in tune with the father, focused on him, focused on what he's doing, just like Jesus did. Jesus was just an, the, the picture of what a, a, a union, unionized life actually looks like. It is, he just did not take responsibility for things. He just, he just, he let the father move through him. And really, this is why learning how to hear the voice of God is such a key to experiencing this. Like, how can we follow the Holy Spirit if we aren't listening for the Holy Spirit? If we aren't able to, how can we follow directions if we don't understand the directions? You know, for example, 
you know, Jesus would tell the disciples, you know, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to tell you what to say in the self-same hour. And it wasn't like Jesus was going to tell them what to say and they were going to write it down and then they were going to read it. <laughs> they were going to read it to everybody because this is what Jesus said. Not that it's wrong to write it down, but the point is that true abiding in the vine looks like you are connected to the degree that you don't really know what you're even going to say next. You know, when I hop onto these podcasts, I have an idea, a revealed idea about what God wants to talk about. But truthfully, I'm just out there kind of in a huge like, oh, no, I really don't know what I'm going to say. I hope the Lord shows up because I'm kind of just flowing. You know, that's what, you know, I'm just flowing with the Lord, just letting him speak through me and just being brave enough to open up my mouth and say whatever's coming out. You know, it's when we forget that. You know, I remember years ago, I kept telling the Lord, I don't know how to abide. I, I don't even know what that means to abide. Like, how do I do this? And it was funny because somehow I ended up praying for someone that day. And and after I finished praying for that person, uh, the, the father said to me, see, you do know how to do it. You just did it. Prayer is is the way that you're praying, Shalise, the way that you're listening and saying, the way that you're you're seeing and saying what you're getting from me. This is how you do it. You abide already. It's just realizing that this is something that you can do all the time. When you pray, you just set your intention towards me. You just, just focus on me for a minute. You're talking to me. And when you do that, I'm talking to me through you. <laughs> I'm saying what I want to say through you. You think it's your prayer, but even prayer is not done in separation from me. In fact, prayer is the thing that you're doing with me. So just make everything a prayer. That's why the apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. He said, just stay in this place of dependency upon me where you don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you're doing. And I do, you know, and trust, trust that everything is working out together for your good. And I'm not leading you or putting you into situations that you can't handle, that you're not prepared for because I'm prepared, right? I do the work. You know, it says faithful is he that calls us. He will also do it. So Shalise, this is about learning. He was telling me, this is about learning to just work with me. This is about learning to live with me. Eternal life, it means life. This is life. This means your life right now. This means your life in this moment and the next moment and the next moment. You know, it's not about what you did yesterday. It's not about what you're going to do tomorrow. It's about what we're doing right this minute. I called myself I am because I am in this minute. I'm in this minute with you. Even though I'm eternal, even though it's all done, I refer to myself as I am because from my perspective, I am. This is all, it's all I am. It's all I am. And so this is a massive shift for most of us, you guys, because our brains are just running the show most days, right? We don't even realize that we're having the same habitual thoughts today that we had yesterday and that we're, we're worrying and we're meditating on things that are not from the Lord, you know? And so stepping into this moment means you're dropping judgment. It means that you're training your mind to just be right here in this moment with God. And as things happen in our lives, as, as we walk through things, regardless what the challenge is, regardless of what the problem is, regardless of what the trigger is, regardless of what's going on in our, our minds and in our emotions and in our bodies, the truth about who we are doesn't shift, right? Our, our perspective shifts, our perception shifts, but what's true never shifts. It's eternal. And so just remembering that, like, okay, this situation seems too big for me, or this, I don't know how to, I don't have the wisdom I need for this, you know, particular situation. 
Well, the answer is to just step right back in, step back into that realization that, that I am one with Jesus right now, that eternal life is a right now reality, that I can live in the light because the light is in me, that, that I can walk in the truth. I can walk in love because the truth is a person who lives inside of me. Love is God who lives inside of me. That everything that I ever am going to need has already been placed inside of me. And as I just think the thoughts of God and I uh, see the, the, the imaginations of God, that those are the things that are manifesting in my life. That the root of who I am is, is a redeemed uh, saint. I'm a redeemed uh, member of the body of Christ. I am innocent in Christ. And there's nothing that I have to do to attain that. It's already been attained for me. All I have to do is simply believe it by simply entering into it and, and agreeing with it. So yes, Father, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I do hear your voice. Your she, you know, I, I'm one with you. I have the mind of Christ. Yes, I do have the wisdom I need because Jesus has been made unto us wisdom and he lives inside of me. I have access to all that heaven contains right this very minute. And when I pray in the spirit, guess what? I'm releasing the words of God. Like I can talk, spirit talk when I pray in the spirit. Like I have access to a language that is not even from this world, right? So I have, I have a supernatural way of being right now in this moment. If I need wisdom, I can pray and interpret. If I need wisdom, I can look with my spiritual eyes and I can see what the father is doing. And you know, guys, this is why my journal... You know, it's like my lifeline because this helps me tune in. It helps me remember. It helps me. Okay. I'm one with Jesus right this very minute. Okay. I'm one. Okay. Father, what are you doing? What do I need to hear? Right. Uh, I know that my judgment is not, you know, I have this independent way of being that I can default into, but you know what? I'm just releasing that. I'm just going to release that and I'm going to hear you right now. I'm going to step into the truth of who I am, step into the truth of what Jesus has accomplished. And I, I prayed this scripture earlier. I prayed it from Jude and it says, you know, our faith becomes effectual as we acknowledge all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. You know, so as we acknowledge these things, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit as Jesus is. So am I in this world that Christ's resurrection is my resurrection too. that uh, as he is. So am I in this world that uh, I am I, the father and I are one because Jesus and I are one and they are one in each other and I am one with them. So as I just begin to acknowledge those things, well, guess what? My faith becomes effectual. My perception begins to shift, right? I just am acknowledging. I'm becoming aware of. I'm shifting my focus back to the truth. And I do that right in this moment. And I might need to do that a million times a day. I might need to do that a thousand times a day. But that is that is what it means to abide. It's simply to remember. It's simply to, to know the gospel and to not just abide in a, a like works kind of way, but to enjoy to enjoy my communion, to, to, to enjoy the truth about who I am. And you guys, I can tell you in my own life and in so many people that I have coached and helped step into this reality, it is life transforming. When you recognize that you are one with Jesus, things begin to happen supernaturally. You begin to live in a, I call it the Jesus vortex, right? Where you know, Jesus would just walk in someplace. The next thing you know, all these people were coming up to him, you know, demoniacs were coming up to him and stuff. Why? Because the seen realm recognizes sons of God, right? The, the whole universe, all of creation is moaning and groaning for the sons of God. And so it is aware. It is aware of what we're aware of. 
And when we are aware of who we are and what is true and what is real, well, guess what? Heaven begins to manifest. Creation begins to actually be experience um, the new creation, right? Because we are designed to govern it. We are designed to, I, I want to say dominate it, but serve it in love. And when we, we have to know who we are in order to do that, we have to step into our identity. If we are going to abide and we are going to uh, release heaven on earth and we are going to fulfill all of the things that God has uh, ordained for us to do, right? You can't even discover your purpose until you step into union with Jesus. I mean, not really. You may have an idea. You might have a thought about it. But see, our purpose is designed to be fulfilled in union with Jesus, so to the extent that we are trying to fulfill our purpose apart from him, independent from him, we will live a frustrated life because our purpose is designed to be supernatural. Our purpose is defined, is designed to be something the father does through us. And so in order for that to be accomplished, we have to abide. We have to come into a place where we are in the flow of the Holy Spirit. We are doing what the father is doing and we are allowing him to do the work through us. So you guys, I said a whole mouthful, I'm not even sure I took a breath, <laughs> but this is the good news. This is the definition of eternal life and eternal life is right now. Eternal life is knowing him. It's being one with him. It's experiencing him. It's being led by him. It's saying, what's next, Papa? What's next, Holy Spirit? Okay, what's the next thing on your agenda for today? What's the next thing that you're asking me to do? Okay, I've got some hard things that I need to do today, Lord. I'm just asking you to do those things. I'm asking you to do this talking. I'm asking you to do the listening. I'm asking you to be the one who's showing up in through me today. And so my job, stay focused on you. My job, enjoy you. My job is to abide and believe and stay in this place of peace, righteousness, and joy. So beloved, you have it. You, it, it don't worry about like, oh, I haven't been doing this, Shalise. Like, oh gosh, I, you know, I've never done this, Shalise. Whatever. It doesn't matter because it, all it matters is what you do right this second. Right this second, you can believe. Right this second, you can surrender. To right this second, you can abide. And then guess what? You can do it again in the next second. You can do it again in the next second because this is where life is happening. This is where eternal life is happening. Knowing God is right now. Experiencing God is right now. So beloved, step into the now, step into Christ and enjoy your life. Enjoy eternal life right this very minute. All right, you guys. Whew. I think we got it. All right. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.